So are we going to do a cold open? Uh, I mean, have we, we not just, been? We just did a cold open. <laughs> oh, okay. See, I'm in the basement and the temperature is comically lower than anywhere else in the house. Um, so I couldn't tell it was a cold open because I was already cold. Oh, true. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're gonna there have was that. that. Yeah, you know, there was that time we did a cold open and it was Kira was in the Arctic hunting the Bigfoot. <laughs> I just <laughs> listened to that. <laughs> um, yeah, in preparation for this podcast recording, I got up at like 7.40 and just listened to six straight hours of Unsound Theories. Oh my That's, god, I'm so I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. It, it wasn't actual <laughs> prep work. It was, oh, timestamps indicate I went to sleep at like 10pm last night, so I probably slept enough. I don't have good sleep. Hello, it's me, Lulav, the unsleeper. Unsleep Theories. <laughs> I also yeah. don't sleep well in general. I think I got to bed around one and woke up probably... I woke up at seven to feed the cat, and Emma had already fed him, and then I woke up again at eight after going back to bed. <laughs> That's about where I was at, too. For the listeners, yesterday was my birthday, and for the first time oh, in a very long time, I got drunk. Oh. At a restaurant. Oh. I felt like shit this morning. <laughs> yeah. I had like you, two drinks. Did, it's did embarrassing. Get, did, since it was your birthday, did you get finger blasted in the bathroom? Um. <laughs> uh. Hmm. I, can I plead the fifth on that one? I know I'm not American anymore, but. <laughs> do, do you want to start the podcast instead? I would love to. Okay, let's fucking go. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to Unsound Theories. I'm Kat. I'm Kira. And I'm Lulav. And we watch movies with no sound and no subtitles and try to figure out what the hell is going on. Oh shit, is that what we were doing? Yeah. Oh yeah, did we not tell you the premise of the podcast? <laughs> um, I don't have a bit for this, sorry. So you've, you've listened to the podcast before, so you were aware going into this of the sort of pain and suffering involved in the prep work. How was your experience? So, you know the difference between intellectually knowing that something is true and experiencing <laughs> it? Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. it's like the feeling of knowing that a tattoo hurts versus getting a tattoo. Ooh, but I want to get a tattoo. It they hurts, don't right? actually hurt. It... Oh, good. Okay, so here's my thing. Um, my brain has some weird wiring, and things that hurt also feel good. Right? Um, so, depending on my comfort level with my tattoo artist and whether or not we are trying to fuck, uh, 
I there have been times where I've gone into like a pseudo sort of hypnotic trance while getting or like subspace I guess is the easiest way to describe it if you've mm-hmm. done impact if you've if you've done impact bottoming and you you know that p- space where you get like the right level of endorphins where you just feel good despite the fact that you're still experiencing pain that's what getting a tattoo can be like so i haven't done serious impact bottoming but i did do laser and the technician called me a good girl and i did have to be very careful with how i responded to that (laughs) okay so then you know exactly what getting a tattoo is (laughs) laser is worse than tattooing like by far yeah great like great news yeah there's an air force base near my house and they're doing exercises today <laughs> god bless so we're America. gonna have some jet sounds or possibly on the podcast. Kira, what, what country do you live in u.s okay oh yeah. which is why cat explains the canadian things i got you yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i would have no way of knowing otherwise there's a lot of canadian stuff that happens and in fact, we watched a Canadian movie today. Oh, yeah. was it? Yeah. I couldn't tell I it. know because I recognized, very excitedly recognized, a Canadian working actor in <laughs> one of the roles. And I was like, yeah, Canada! Yeah! <laughs> Good. It's one of those things. As soon as you, like, move to Canada and start assimilating a little bit to the culture, you pick up on the fact that every Canadian gets really excited when they see a Canadian working actor in something. I should talk about what I did to myself. Yes. Um, yeah, what did you do? Because I, you, you mentioned having caused yourself extreme distress with the way that you listen to a, a bad thing. So, <laughs> I was thinking of like how do i enhance the experience of watching a nicolas cage movie for myself and i thought <laughs> maybe oh, I can tell where this is going maybe if i if i listen to a different nicolas cage movie at the same time mhm um, um that might be interesting but mm-hmm. then i thought that's kind of cheating you know, like, I'm not supposed to be listening to a movie. So how do I listen to Nicolas Cage dialogue without listening to a movie? How do you? I found is a there YouTube like video. some Cage core trap? Nope. <laughs> it's worse. <laughs> I found a YouTube video that is a compilation of all of his voice lines in Dead by Daylight. Uh, wait. It's ten minutes long and I watched it on loop, which means I heard it approximately nine times. That sounds. He's about... in Dead by Daylight. Yes, he's a su- he's a survivor. Oh, I thought he was a killer. I um, thought he, he has was like some... a. Okay, so here when yeah. I thought Nick Cage being added to Dead by Daylight, I assumed he was a killer, <laughs> and like no. it was like sort of an actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf situation. Oh. No, he's just he's he is not a character in the game. He is just Nicolas Cage. Oh my God! Um, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, That's why I thought it was an actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf situation, you know? I like, He has some truly fantastic line reads. Um, would you like some samples? 
Absolutely. I mean, sure. Do you have like a soundboard or something that you're going to no, hit us with? I'm going to reproduce them with my own human body. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the ways in which sounds are produced. Um, he has he has one line where he goes, "I'm Nick fucking Cage. I'm not afraid. You can't kill me. I will live forever." Ah! <laughs> this has got to be an extent. No, oh my God, Nicholas Cage is one of thirty-eight survivors currently featured in Dead by Daylight. That's his goddamn face. Mm-hmm. Whoa. I'm completely, totally, and utterly cow tit fucked. Wait. <laughs> Wait, he caught it fucked? <laughs> he costs a normal amount. Me, you stupid, sick, stupid serial killer. Oh I could God. buy Nicolas Cage and play as him. Mm-hmm. Sadako, not you. Not Sadako. Oh, wait, I live with Sadako. This is fine. What? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? Help me ow. I um I'm I'm now kind of thinking once again about that Patreon idea we had where we would like watch a movie and then watch the remake of that movie like back to back because I do I do want to sit down and do a back-to-back screening of Wicker Man versus Wicker Man. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't in the second one, was he? So Wicker Man, the or, no, original, was, uh... was from the 70s, and it right. starred Christopher Lee as Lord Summerisle, and it was mm. delightful. And, you know, one of my favorite movies because of its... Because it's like... Uh, uh, Christian goes to a different religious group and <laughs> invades their community and proselytizes at them and then gets killed for it. And it's delightful. It's a victory for all religious minorities everywhere. You do love to see it. That's then so Nick much Cage cooler movie. than the version that I saw, which was the Nick Cage film. Yeah, the Nick Cage one is bad. Like, explicitly very bad. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, I do think a back-to-back of Wicker Man versus Wicker Man would be a lot of fun. And, like... I don't know. Maybe I'll like rent out one of the local independent theaters and do a public screening of Wicker versus Wicker. The the Wickening. Wait, no, wait. We can do this. Uh. uh... Oh. Um. Hold on. Hmm. Um. 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 Ballistwick Cage <laughs> versus. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> this is a, this is really just an elaborate um, a ballistic X versus Sever joke, so we have to workshop this. Ballistic okay. um, cage versus lever, <laughs> but it's spelled L E E. Okay. So speaking of workshops, do you mind yeah. if I invite you into my workshop where I crafted the delightfully devilish playlist uh, for my album sync? Yes. Um, Please In share. fact, I would be delighted to join you in this workshop. Uh, do we have to wear any PPE? Oh, uh, yeah, definitely have masks. Uh, KN95 or N95, or better. Um, but Always do. <laughs> um, and also, um, insertable condoms. Okay. Like, okay. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're just... 
they're just necessary. Um, okay, so welcome to my workshop. Thank you for donning all PPE. Um, PPE. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that the movie contained Nicolas Cage. And also saw that it was going to be uh, one hour, 29 minutes, and 56 seconds from the first time that a non-credits thing appears to uh, the first time that the end credits appear. And so I put together a playlist of three different songs. Uh, You may be like, wow, that's a really low number, Lulav. And boy, howdy, Mm -hmm. it sure is. I had to loop them. Um, So I had... I had 10 copies of, sorry, opening up iTunes. Um, Let me stop you for a second. Uh Uh-huh. How many of these songs do come from Homestuck? Oh, all three of them. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So uh, we have two songs off of Homestuck volumes five through six. Uh, The Nick Cage song which lasts two two minutes and 45 seconds and is mm-hmm. just clips from various Nicolas Cage movies um, with some backing music. And that's by Toby Fox, you know, Toby Radiation Fox of Undertale fame. Right. The guy who got his game delivered to the Pope. Yes. Um, the guy who wrote, we're having a baby and the baby is you. <laughs> Which, uh, oh man, I could have gotten a little bit more variety on this playlist. Anyway. What the fuck is happening? (laughs) All right, Kira knows nothing about Homestuck. This is a fun bit. That's what makes this so delightful. I I love the Kira knows nothing about Homestuck and never will bit. Um, I mean, it's not a bit. (laughs) (laughs) So I had eight copies of Nick Cage song. Mm Mm-hmm. Nine copies of How Do I Live Date Night version, um, okay. which is the uh, iconic song from the Nicolas Cage movie Con Air. Yes. But remixed so that it's like, chill. I don't know anything about music. Anyway, in addition <laughs> to Nick Cage song and How Do I Live Date Night version, I had 10 copies of How Do I Live Bunny Back in the Box version. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. which about halfway through, uh, there's a guitar breakdown where a cartoon salamander plays things for you. Yep. Um, and by guitar breakdown, I mean, just vocally scatting like, and so on. Yep. Yep. That's, that sounds like Homestuck soundtrack to me. So that's what I was listening to for 5,396 seconds. Um, um so and it did not question. stop except for ad breaks. <laughs> yes. So um so now that that song is such a part of your life, how exactly do you live without it? How if I had to live without, without it? it, what kind of life would that be? Right? Oh, and I I need it in my arms, need it to hold. It's my world, my heart, my soul. <laughs> if it ever leaves, baby that would take away everything good in my life. <laughs> Without it, there'd be no sun in my sky. There'd be no love in my life. There'd be no world left for me. Oh, and I, baby, I don't know what I would do. I'd be lost if I lost it. If it ever leaves, baby, that would take away everything that's real in my life. And tell me now, how do I live without it? I want you to know. How do I breathe without it if it ever goes? And how do I ever, ever survive? 
alive. Um, I feel you like probably I'm with a uh, like <laughs> you probably survived by driving in a station wagon across Colorado. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, oh. Wait. Oh, were we in Colorado? <laughs> I. That's what I. I think. Okay. Um. <laughs> This the is only my Joker is... moment. <laughs> Kira, I do want to be very clear that this is a real song. Like, not, not a song that was made for Homestuck. It's a song written by Diane Warren, originally performed by Leanne Rhymes in 1997. A second version was uh, performed by Trisha Yearwood, which was the one in Con Air. Okay. All right. <laughs> Oh, and they were yeah. simultaneously released to radio on May 23rd, 1997. That's a choice. That, yeah, I don't know why you would do that. Uh, look, you know, <laughs> Trisha Yearwood has a very strange career when you get down <laughs> to it. I mean, really, if you had a year of wood, you really got to see a doctor. Yeah, it's supposed to be after more than four hours, right? <laughs> yeah, you've, you've left that so long, friend. <laughs> Well, she can't help it. I hear she's in love with the boy. Her 1991 debut single, which became a number yeah, one no. hit on the Billboard Country Singles chart. I, I, yep. But, like, the the thing that gets me is that she's also now, like, a Food Network TV show host. Oh. As of I mean, 2012, she's ha- she's got Trisha's Southern Kitchen, which is a cooking show where she makes Southern-inspired meals for her friends and family. <laughs> Good for her? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Wait. The, oh, the my Food God. The Food Network has some really bad shows. Wait, she dated Garth Brooks. She's married to uh, Garth Brooks. Haven't we all? The pair made a commitment not to spend time apart. Five days away. Where does it say that? Oh, there we go. The pair married on December 10th, 2005. Really burying the lead there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, she's married to Garth Brooks, which is That's fun. a decision. <laughs> I mean, At least it's not Lee Greenwood. It's just that when you have the choice between marrying Garth Brooks and marrying Chris Gaines, why would you not marry Chris Gaines? Which one is Chris Gaines? Uh, so Chris Gaines is a fictional persona that Garth Brooks created to make Holy a rock shit. album. <laughs> oh. it, it's it's a whole like alter ego that he has to do to to do rock music. <laughs> And it was all set up to be like a lead into a film where he would, where he, Garth Brooks, would play the character of Chris Gaines. God. Okay. What? And tell that character's life story in film. Uh, what? Sure. Mm hmm. So you can still buy the album Garth Brooks in The Life of Chris Gaines. <laughs> And it's technically Garth Brooks covering the works of Chris Gaines for a movie where Garth Brooks was to play Chris Gaines. Why not? <laughs> okay, but that's not the movie that we're watching today. <laughs> not even slightly. We're like, I've been recording for almost half an hour and we still haven't talked about this fucking movie. Um, I hear that there was a great migration and civil war following something climate change um yeah so like every time i see one of these opening crawls where they put in just so much exposition <laughs> to set up the universe i i think 
damn, I could probably write a movie better than this. <laughs> I, you probably could better than this specific one, yes. Specifically better than this one, yeah. Like, you know, Star Wars can get away with it because it's tradition at this point. Yeah. Uh, mostly. I still... The episode 9 opening crawl is just the most insane thing I've ever read because it's predicated on you having watched a live stream via Fortnite. Is it? What? Yes. What? No. Palpatine I... announces uh, yes, Palpatine announced his return in a Fortnite live stream before the premiere of episode 9 and then episode 9 opening crawl says the dead speak after Palpatine's message to the galaxy. It's like Oh, hey, so I need. I <laughs> oh, just that's need why to, that didn't make um, any sense. I just need to retcon something from earlier in this podcast. This okay. is my Joker moment. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, we're in like a post-apocalyptic setting where um everyone's just sort of fine. <laughs> yeah, everyone's kind of fine, but like, so there's there's heavy social stratification between people who live inside of walled cities and people who are not in the walled cities and live outside yeah. of said cities right in as far as desert I can tell, type slums as far as i can tell the walled cities have like 15 people in them <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're it's it's odd but it's like i think so the, empty yeah, because they didn't want to hire extras, because this movie predicted COVID before COVID happened by hiring literally zero extras. <laughs> so that, they, there are enough Canadian working actors that they could have... They could have filled out the cast. that Like, very easily they could have done that with, you know, I personally know, like, four or five people who would have been fine for that role. It's part of being Canadian. You just know oh. every Canadian. Um, also, like, they fucking, like, there's, like, a big overhead shot at one point, and there's a shitty CGI car driving on the road, but just mm -hmm. one. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, so there has been huge population collapse. Yes, because... that's, that's a... Yes? I was gonna say, um, there's been huge population collapse because they regressed to the 1993. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, like... Outside the safe zones, it looks like everything is set is just like oh, this is a house from 1993. This is a motel from 1993. <laughs> yeah, and it's not like, as much like post-apocalyptic as it is like just sort of a normal rural town. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I regret to inform you that motels just look like that. Yeah, I've, like, I've been to motels fairly recently, and they don't. <laughs> very few of them still have cigarette vending machines and CRTs. Okay, that's fair. That's true. Like, especially the kind of cigarette vending machine where you put the money in and then you pull a little lever and the cigarettes drop through. Maybe they have that in a non-New York hotel, but I did stay... Or, uh, motel? But I did stay in a New York motel, so who knows? You know, there's... If you go to Colorado... <laughs> yeah, you know, it might just be a Colorado thing. It's probably is, um, yeah. It just, it felt very 90s because Nick Cage was driving around in an 81 El Camino. Yeah, all of the, all of the non-CGI cars were old. Mm-hmm. I like, it was a pretty good condition 81 El Camino. Oh yeah, um, it looked fantastic. Which is, 
uh, so Nick Cage also it's it's an extraordinary look that he has in this movie <laughs> and I know it's also God. kind of just the Nick Cage look yeah that's just kind of what he looks like but like he's got a little bit of a pompadour going on yeah and he's got the like bowling shirt and t-shirt and undershirt so like wearing the three layer <laughs> like and he shows up with a briefcase and pulls out a bunch of people's receipts and I referred to him as the rockabilly accountant <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. I cuz what's more 1993 than Rockabilly Revival and an 81 El Camino? <laughs> yes. No, yeah, no. He did he did have big like tax auditor vibes early in the movie. Um so speaking yet again of <clears throat> like knowing the difference or er, speaking yet again of the difference between intellectually knowing something and emotionally <laughs> experiencing something. We got out of that beginning uh, text squat, um, and the camera just, like, zoomed down onto Nick Cage's face, and I did scream laugh. <laughs> and that was the most entertained I was this entire movie. Yeah, that's <laughs> usually how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, that, that um, will happen. Also, I... Of the three songs on my playlist, we started with the date night version, which was really mm -hmm. nice for both, like, a chill intro to the whole thing, and it synchronized really nicely with a lot of the vehicular transitions. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Um, For some reason, just, like, bars would start off as, like, the, the plane is flying from the right side of the screen to the left side of the screen, and, mm -hmm. you know, cars, and it, it was just good. <clears throat> so... Um, to, to continue through the movie, um, yes. we find out that Nick Cage is basically like the an auditor with a thing called the Humanity Bureau, which yeah. is a governmental organization from within the cities that takes people from outside of the cities and brings them to a better life in New Eden, I think is what I've gathered from the various contexts and yeah. implications I, of this I film. Assumed, what I what I assumed was since the cities were so fucking empty, <laughs> I decided that like rather than this being a simple budgetary failure of the makers of the movie, <laughs> this has to be in-universe and they have a massive population problem within the city, and they're trying to get people to move to the city with a huge advertising campaign, and mm -hmm. for some reason are being extremely selective about who they allow to move there. So, you thought that it, both of you thought that this was about immigration. Um, so, I, I more thought it was about, like, because the, you know, not wanting to go to the, like, New Eden felt like the kind of advertising you would do for <laughs> like whitewashing a labor camp basically oh yeah i like my last note from the opening text crawl was single agency for genocide <laughs> basically that's, that's yeah, basically what they said yeah they're as far yeah it did they are like the the united states um department of eugenics so uh, pretty early on in this movie, I had picked up on some clues, uh, <laughs> and I, I figured out, I, I wrote some predictions down. Mm -hmm. um, this is sort of based on one of those pet theories that people have about Mad Max, but similarly, um, 
So, like, the rest of the world has not become a post-apocalyptic <laughs> dystopia. It's just that America is like that for some reason. Uh-huh. I, and also Canada. I don't... I think that's... I think Canada's text. normal. I mean, they do have, a like, a fucking sniper, like... Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you had, like, a fucking... Ranger guy. ...country oh, full of... Oh, yeah. If you, if you're, if you had a, the world's longest land border, True. that... <laughs> Is it? Below you was a country of like feral purgates. Would you not have snipers positioned on your border? That's a great point. <laughs> um, okay, but as I was saying, you both seem to think that the Humanity Bureau dealt with immigration. According to my notes, Nick okay. Cage plays Agent Coppola from the Humanity Bureau, who does okay. brat play with motel attendants. <laughs> now, okay. incidentally. He has a side gig evaluating if old men qualify for participation in the neck drug class action lawsuit. But that's just his oh, side gig. Okay. Okay. His, his main job is to do brat play. <clears throat> so he's a, he's a professional bottom and an amateur solicitor. Oh, he, he likes to think that he's a top. But then how is he? Hmm. The motel attendant is the brat. Oh, Okay. <laughs> I thought Nick Cage was being the brat, but that makes more sense, I think. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, the the movie starts with him at this motel, and he's auditing this old man. And then you see on the dude's wall a MAGA poster. Yep. Oh, do you? Yeah. Yes. I saw the picture with President Trump, but... Yes, he's there with... He's there with... He's got a picture of himself with Donald Trump, uh, and... Like he he very this guy very clearly does not want to go to New Eden, which is where I think Nick Cage is saying, "You gotta go," because that's what the government tells me. Oh, interesting. So he shoots at Nick Cage. Nick Cage ducks and then shoots him in what I can only describe as the weirdest gun choreography I've <laughs> ever seen. Yeah. Because Nick Cage pulls out his pistol and just sort of whips his arm up in like a vertical motion and fires twice and hits the guy in the stomach and the head. I saw three muzzle flashes. Did you? I I thought it was three, but I gaslit myself into thinking it was two. It was two into um, Jackery Oldman's chest. (laughs) Okay. And then one really high up on the wall behind him. What and it then, looked like was he uh-huh. just sort of didn't bother attempting to control recoil and just <laughs> sort of repeatedly pulled the trigger on his gun. But, like, he also had the gun sort of sideways, so the recoil wouldn't have made his arm go like, drift <laughs> upward. Huh. Yeah, that's a good point. It's just a very... It's The, the guns in this movie don't make sense. And Oh, wait, no, I know, got it. There's a magnet on the wall behind him. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's pulling anti-gun the... Anti-gun neodymium magnet. Yeah. <laughs> it's pulling the gun up as he yeah, fires? Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's kind of like, like it, at the corner between the wall and the ceiling behind him. So... Oh! Yeah. But he knew that there were going to be neodymium magnets in the walls. So oh, yeah, because he's got, in a cage. He got bullets mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that um, accommodate for that. By being uh, positively and negatively charged at the same time somehow. Anyway, the magnetic field deflects the bullet, and that's why the wild shot that he made the third time ended up inside the old guy's head. Mm. Ah. 
Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect yeah. sense. It's a, that's that's about the level of logic we need for this. Oh, this movie is incredibly logically consistent. Uh-huh. Oh, yes. Um, For sure. So I, Definitely. Oh, also, uh, you missed the part where in between him trying to shoot Nick Cage uh, and getting shot by Nick Cage, Jackery Oldman lights up uh, the brat from downstairs who was jealous right. that our agent had other engagements and came to embarrass him in front of company. Yes, exactly. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Now, did you get... Uh, how, I have a question for you both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you are you fans of the works of one Hideo Kojima? Um, I, I wouldn't say fan, I am but passingly <laughs> familiar. I'm in the Metal Gear fandom. Fandom. I watched okay. my roommate in college play part of Snake Eater. Okay, um, because I ha- this this movie has some big Death Stranding vibes. <laughs> like i like there's a there's a strong chance that the guy with the eye patch who gets his eye shot out by a bb gun later in the movie uh eye patch man might just be named die hardman that's oh yeah i can see that my favorite part of that scene by the way was that he like initially just sort of taped to some bread to his eye. Taped a piece of bread to his <laughs> eye to staunch the bleeding. Yes. That's... Holy shit, that was bread? Yeah. Yes. I thought he was a weird cyborg who, like, some... I, I don't know. Okay. The the bread was staunching the bleeding. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, we, we should continue with the... Because Nick Cage goes to collect another person to send them to... New Eden, and it's a woman and her son, and like yeah. these, this I have a quibble here. Okay, these people are supposed to be like impoverished and outside of the city, like surviving by scavenging because all manufacturing in the United States has ceased because of the climate disaster. That's one of the things from the opening crawl. Why this kid have perfectly new, fresh, uncreased Tims? <laughs> I I he think has, like also why was he wearing his shoes inside like a fucking animal? Okay, that's I, just I an America ex- thing. I, I can think. explain this. No, it's not. Uh, I can explain this. They um, were excited to potentially be chosen to move to New Eden, um, and they were trying to put on a good show for the guy coming to investigate them. So they had to wear the nice shoes and the nice <laughs> outfit. Put on your pristine Tims. Yeah. yeah. You gotta keep those around just in case. Okay, um, before we go any further, I want to standardize a couple of names. Okay. So, is Nick Cage just playing Nick Cage? Always, yes. yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> so we'll continue with that name for sure. Um... Five six six seven two nine four one. The old guy. Um, I called him Jackery Oldman. He's mm-hmm. dead, so I guess he doesn't matter that much. But what did you all have a name for him? Uh, no, I just referred to him as Maga Pete. I Maga was. Pete. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I was so far in like a fucking cosmic Nick Cage <laughs> dimension by this point in the movie. I didn't name anybody. 
Okay. Um, number three. The guy who gets a little bit Genghis Khan. He doesn't oh want you to God. get it on with nobody else but him. That's yes, Mike why he Snow, looks so AKA familiar. AKA Holy shit. I was trying to figure out who he Wait, looked like. Wait, is that Mika Snow? Or was that just Almost an actor in a not. Mika Snow movie? Okay, cool. You mean, yeah. So I, no, I called him Agent is, Genghis Khan. Uh, he is, now, I do want to be clear. I'm, I'm on the Wikipedia page, not reading the summary. He is a singer but he's the lead vocalist of the Canadian rock band Headstones. All right. Sure. <laughs> Does that make him a Canadian working actor? Um, uh, he's on Yellowstone. Uh, he's on Mayor of Kingstown, which is apparently a Paramount Plus show. He was in Flashpoint. Yeah, I think that makes him a Canadian working actor. Woo! Yeah. We got one, gals. Yeah. <laughs> Emma was like, who's this, Hugh Dillon? <laughs> like... Oh, so Emma has woken up and did immediately recognize who I was talking about. Yeah, <laughs> amazing, incredible. Give Emma a high five for me. Uh, Love is sending a high five over to you. Oh hi! <laughs> Truly incredible. Yes. Emma says, "Welcome to the episode." Thank you. Love Does a little curtsy. You. I'm legally required to know a certain portion of Canadian actors and be able to recognize them on the dime. Emma says they're legally required to know a certain portion of Canadian actors and be able to recognize <laughs> them on a dime. So I want you to know it's not just me. It is actually a legal requirement for residency in Canada. Okay, good to know. That, I, that um, fully tracks, yeah. So yes, what are we calling uh, Hugh Dillon? In my mind, he was Dr. Evil. Okay. Okay. Just sort I'm, of vis- I'm, I'm good visually, he was Dr. Cool. Evil. Like, um, I, like, high level, this movie is fundamentally a road trip adventure movie. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Uh, National Lampoon's The Humanity Bureau. Exactly. And he is like... <laughs> I think that probably the reason he's following them is like they left one of their socks at home and he wants to give them their sock. Mm, okay. Right. Um, okay. When we say them, we're talking about the other two participants in the road trip. Um, so let's start with uh, the lady who looks like an off-brand Linda Cardellini from certain angles. Um, did y'all have a name for her? I know Kira the, doesn't because she was, uh, zoning, but. Uh, this is, this would be the mom? The mom, yeah. Oh, that's um, your name? Okay. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, I, the characters didn't really need I, a name. I would like to propose Londa Carboloni. <laughs> um, I mean, I, there's gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna have trouble remembering that one. Here, I will send it over Discord. Okay. Um, are, are you familiar with Linda Cardellini? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, so that, for me, made the child Lil Tommy Carboloni. We'll call him Tommy Carboloni. Yeah. Tommy I think Carboloni. I the guy with that name. My, my, That's um, not true, but, like, that is a very New Jersey name. <laughs> my particularly damaged brain um hearing the name tommy carvaloni i want us to call him tbcb tbcb all right okay good nickname I can live with tbcb <laughs> um 2020 20, 24 hours to go he wants to be sedated <laughs> good ramones reference <laughs> <sighs> 
<clears throat> okay, so Lon- um, Londa is making carrot water. Yeah. Yeah. She's boiling mm-hmm. some carrots to yeah. make carrot tea. <laughs> <laughs> and is sharing her limited food with yeah. Nick Cage. Which is actually, like, remarkably kind of her, and I think is supposed to set her up as a hero. Huh. Kind of. It's okay. a very... I don't know. I mean, um, like, so they're I both did... set up to be very sympathetic characters. Like, the kid yeah. rescues, is trying to rescue a baby bird and nearly dies because of it. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of very interesting stuff. I did note that the kid has a crokinole board in his room. And what no American that? kid has a crokinole board. <laughs> a what? Crokinole. <laughs> that sounds like a medication you're going to have to explain further. Um, no, it's a game. You get these wooden discs on a round board with some pegs in it, and you have to flick the discs into the middle of the board for certain amounts of points, including if you slot it into a little divot in the middle. It's a, it's a, it's a very Canadian so game. It's Poghole? It, it's crokinole. <laughs> it's like sh- it's like it's a little bit like um those like bar shuffleboard games. Okay. Huh. But um in an octagon shape. Would you say it's like baby's first curling? Like, it, it, a little bit curling esque, yes. Okay. But like it's less baby's first, and it's it's more um adults warm version of curling where you can get even more drunk okay Ah. all right the essence of every canadian sport is (laughs) how drunk you can get while doing it yeah that makes sense um and like you can get some really gorgeous crokinole boards um loading ready run specifically has one that was like custom made for them with like a really gorgeous inlay of a griffin and a serpent fighting each other Oh, that sounds like a beaut. It really is. Fucking rad. <laughs> and they've used it on stream when they played Crokinole, and they had a Crokinole stream <laughs> for International Tabletop Day. I'm going to link you that as well. Oh, no, it gave me the same image again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, There it is. Ooh. Oh, that's pretty. Speaking. Wow, that is pretty. Speaking of tables and topping, um, I don't think that Londa knows what's going on. No, because, absolutely not. Like sharing her food is not very brat of her. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also she slaps him for trying to bring her into the polycule, which like. See, I think that's why Nick Cage ends up falling for her is yeah. because he's so used to the kind of relationships that come with his professional work as a pro dom. Mm. That the fact that she wants a more traditional relationship appeals to him. Okay. So Nick Cage is a trad wife, you're saying? Uh, It's more that Nick Cage is so deep in the scene (laughs) that having (laughs) someone who's vanilla is kind of kinky to him. Okay. Is there... Is there... A dommier car than an El Camino in 2030. I don't. I don't quite know if there is. Um, there now, I do be. have a theory that I'd like to talk to you about. Oh yes. Um, I think this movie is set specifically in the universe where RFK Jr. wins the 2024 election. Say okay. More. Okay. 
because RFK Jr. doesn't believe in climate change, so he would accelerate the climate disaster. <laughs> um, he's absolutely the kind of guy who would build walls around cities to protect the coastal elites. Okay. Wait, did this guy not die? RFK Jr.? No, he's currently running for president. He's, wait, people are primarying Joe Biden? RFK Jr. is trying to. Fuck yeah, dude. Except that he's anti-vax and doesn't believe in climate change. So oh, never fuck mind. no, dude. Fuck no, dude. I would rather what? have Razor Fen Sorry. fall. They're primarying Joe Democrat Biden from the right. Primarying Joe Biden from the right. Jesus. Yes. Worst fucking timeline. Worst political party. <laughs> um, also, how so, hasn't he died yet? He's a Kennedy. You know... There are still people who, who are Kennedys? There's there's a Kennedy in Congress. Hmm. Has he ever driven there's through There's a Kennedy Houston? who dated Taylor Swift. I mean, how else are we going to get working Canadian actors? <laughs> oh, no. I hate that. <laughs> I hate that so much. Um... I just want to share that when I googled Robert F. Kennedy Jr., um, the Google summary from the Wikipedia page says, Notable work, crimes against nature. <laughs> Which is apparently a book that he wrote, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's such a... <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah, anti-vax advocacy and conspiracy theories on public health is one of the main <laughs> subs... Uh, subsections of the RFK Jr. Wikipedia page. Wonderful. He'd fit <laughs> right in in the review section of this. God. Um, oh, HIV AIDS denialism. Yep. Great. Cool. Gotta add that in cool there. Guy. He, this is a direct quote, quote, takes no position on the relationship between HIV and AIDS. What is uh, that? So he's just an idiot. Mean. <laughs> he means he's an idiot. God. Uh, so okay. yeah, this is the this is the RFK Jr. universe. Also, questions that you like to see in the auto-populated people also ask section. What did RFK do in the Navy? <laughs> <laughs> Crimes against nature, perhaps? <laughs> okay, so um Okay, we're still so early in this movie because all of this t that we've described so far takes place within the first half hour. Yeah, it <laughs> <laughs> sure does. Oh, um, don't forget that after Tommy Carboloni almost, uh, TBCB almost dies, um, they fix him through concussive maintenance. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I'm not sure that's how humans work, but... Um, sometimes it is, you know, like... <laughs> Occasionally, you just got a bonk. <laughs> yeah, you 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 smack a kid in his back, and he's fine. Yeah, that's how EMTs do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, <sighs> shortly after that, the um. The, the Dr. Evil-looking motherfucker, mm -hmm. this is pre-eye um, pre removal, shows mm -hmm. up um, <laughs> ready to do a, a couple of murders. They, for the crime of not... I don't really know what they did, but they... I think they were selected for 
new Edenization, and yeah. because they didn't go, they were supposed to get killed. Okay. I Wait. think they like negotiated with Nick Cage to give them an extra day so this kid could do his little like school choir music recital. Yeah, and oh. so that means you have to kill them. Yes, where his 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 huh. big part in the. His, because lip reading his big part in his school's choir recital was him reciting the pledge of allegiance oh yeah that was not the pledge could... of allegiance was it not i, I were you were you lip reading the pledge of allegiance because i was lip reading anything but that i got pledge oh, of allegiance I, too yeah huh. i got pledge of allegiance like firmly yeah interesting okay what did you get um okay my notes say Tommy Carbaloni is fully recovered from his foray to the domain of the Lady of Green and White and mm-hmm. says something on stage that isn't the Pledge of Allegiance. That's all I had, that it wasn't the Pledge of Allegiance. Maybe it is the Lee Greenwood song, and he's talking about how he won't forget the men who died who gave that right to him. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, he's, but he proudly stands up. Next to them? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I'm just going to go have elementary school flashbacks now. <laughs> What about that one song where um, they sing about putting a boot in someone's ass because it's the American way? Isn't that what? Chris Gaines? <laughs> that, that is a Garth Brooks song, yeah. It was it was part of that like spate of post-9-11 like, violent patriotic songs. Okay. <laughs> I somehow Don't mess with America, we'll fucking murder you. Good luck, uh-huh. Iraq. We're gonna kill every single person in that country. Those kind of songs. Yeah. Hey, I just remembered John McCain and Bruch Dayan Hayamit. <laughs> um, There's so... <laughs> what a fucked up country. <laughs> like, Welcome to hell! <laughs> that's the thing about this whole setting, is that so much of this is plausible for the United States. Yeah. Uh-huh. There are that too is... many people, but... <laughs> Otherwise, um, okay. So, uh, accelerating through the movie. Wait, wait, wait uh, no. To... Wait, we got to reverse <laughs> because yeah. we skipped over where Doctor Evil is waiting in the darkness in Nick Cage's apartment. Oh yeah. Um, and for me, like, uh, I I don't know what was happening on your end, but on my end, how do I live was playing over this scene. <laughs> um, and there was some really good context for the music choice. Because not only were we wondering, how does Dr. Evil get through one night without you? Because if he had to live without you, what kind of life would that be? Right. But also, this is a reprise of the music that was playing the first time we saw Jackery Oldman's corpse. And there's a flashback where Nick Cage is thinking about... uh, Oh, sorry, we agreed. Maga Pete. (laughs) Thinking about Maga Pete and the, like... Never surrender message that he fished out of his pocket. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The he's a big fan of Corey Hart. <laughs> um, and then there was an elevator scene. Oh, there was a big jump there. Yeah, he 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 was he had he found the never surrender thing, and then he found himself like sitting on the bench outside of like a warehouse, and some dudes drove uh-huh. out in a truck and just like tossed a matchbox to him that had a message inside of it. How? It said Greenhoy. How green? It has. It said greenhouse. Oh, did it? Um. And what was that? 
I think did... that there was like a there was like a supposed to be a bit of a spy element to it. Yeah, where he like, was like obviously... getting an intel drop about like maybe the true nature of New Eden. Hmm. Like it seemed like he this was his like uh like he's seen through the evil regime a little bit. He started the the cracks are starting to form in his ideology and the mm-hmm. resistance is contacting him. Yeah, I, I think though that he's specifically contacting the resistance yes. because oh. he shows that piece of paper to the guy that says never surrender. They never give up, never surrender, and the guy gives him a little Vulcan salute and they go on their merry way. But how so, did they know to send him there? Cuz he was just <laughs> sitting outside the warehouse. You know the saying, who will guard the guards? Yeah. Well, the humanity bureau is out here uh doming all of the brats but who's gonna dom them it's jeff greenhoy um the guy (laughs) the guy who nick cage was pointed to uh this is a tryout um but nick cage isn't told anything about this because the humanity bureau is very secretive and so is the humanity humanity bureau bureau um right and so he goes there for this try out but they both think that they're supposed to be the dom okay ah um and that's why there was no making out despite this being an elevator scene which gray's anatomy has primed me to expect sexual tension from there was just not sexual tension here there really Mm -hmm. wasn't (laughs) so yeah he he uncovers this conspiracy let's Mm -hmm. that uh there is an organization that doms the doms I, okay, um, Here, this resistance organization, presumably, like, the, who doms the doms, yes. They are so trusting. They really are. Just, like, they're a, really bad, or, like, a it's cop badly organized. And it's like, I want to join. <laughs> and they're just and like, they're like, sure, man. Take this secret information. Here's the location of our leader. <laughs> Like, it's very like, oh, here you go, Imperial pilot. We'll give you the Death Star plans to take to the Rebels. (laughs) (laughs) It's very dumb. Uh, Okay, so Nick Cage, I guess, decides to flee with this woman and this Mm -hmm. child. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a gunfight with um, Die Hardman. Super Eyepatch Wolf, whatever we want to call him. (laughs) Yeah. Die Hardman just doesn't want uh, Nick Cage to get it on with nobody else but him. Exactly. That's, yeah. Um, and they get on the road, and through all of these road sequences, we find out that they're headed towards a place called Jackfish Lake, Canada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because of a little postcard, because that's where Nick Cage used to go when he was a child before climate disaster. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, there's lots of now, flashback um, scenes of him fishing with his dad. And yeah. feet. So, Specifically, I would like to let you guys know. I did Google Jackfish Lake. Ooh, is it there real? are eighteen different Jackfish Lakes between Ontario and Manitoba. <laughs> okay, and maybe this was intentional so that when um, the they were like chasing after them and find the postcard saying Jackfish Lake, they don't know which one to head them off at. Yeah, that's true. It's a decoy. Are they going to Saskatoon? Are they going to? Are they going to Regina? Oh, gotta go. Like, to where Regina. are they going? <laughs> you know, they do they do they truly want to experience Regina? <laughs> um, but yeah, there's an assload of Jackfish Lakes. 
Um, Aaron suggested that Jackfish Lake might be the baseball stadium in Welland where the Welland Jackfish play, which is referred to <laughs> as the pond. So is, is And it might just be that the Jackfish got to be a bigger baseball team by 2030. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. They upgraded from the pond to the lake. <laughs> they're the only baseball team I've heard about recently. Yeah. They're a very fun baseball team to watch, especially because they're amateur baseball. I won't bore you guys with me talking about baseball. If... If I ever do have a baseball podcast, I'll do it with Erin and we'll call it like jocking off with my girlfriend again or something. <laughs> Which was um, the name of one of the episodes of our wrestling podcast. Perfect. It was a very fun episode. We talked about hockey. Do um, you ever so, do have I ever? a grandnephew who's the pitcher for the loons? No, in fact, I don't. Oh, okay. You're not the older couple that was uh, at the Jackfish game correct <laughs> um so as they're driving they have to get rid of the el camino because the el camino is bugged yeah i guess <clears throat> yeah yeah oh. there's like a tracking thing but they're still being tracked even though they switch cars yeah they're um here's here's an interesting thing they drive for like all day for multiple days and Dr. Evil is just sort of back and forth between them and the city, like, the whole time. <laughs> I wonder if he's got, like, a helicopter or something yeah. that makes it easier for him. And in that case, Private like, jet. why, like, what is he doing? What he's trailing, is he doing? He has people trailing them in a car so that he doesn't lose them. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why they don't just use a drone. Yeah. Like, they could have just drone yeah, the they, fucking they thing. They have a it's fucking America. drone. Yeah, they do. <laughs> There's literally Nick a whole Cage scene. Nick Cage just stares at it. <laughs> Maybe they ran out it's, of like guns for it. It's incomprehensible. It's America. We would never run out of guns for drones. True. <laughs> <clears throat> but they apparently ran out of parts for cars because they're all using cars from the 90s. Yep. Um, okay, so they meet this weird anarchist gang of mountain people. Mm-hmm. Love them. Um, big, yes. big now, uh, uh, hook energy. Some serious lost a little boy bit, action. A little bit, yeah. You got so the the leader who we'll call Rufio. Uh, Rufio <laughs> is like sitting on his little porch, and he's got like supermarket potatoes and supermarket onions <laughs> sitting in a basket next to him. Mm-hmm. And I'm wait. Where is he getting them? Where where did he get think... like a? Because like there's a very specific way they cut onions for supermarkets that people who grow their own onions don't do. I think this further feeds into huh. the theory that actually the world is fine. It's just that the U.S. decides to be fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> oh, because there's so also another scene were... where they go through like a radiation warning area and they get their Geiger counter working and there's just nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, there were two points before they meet Rufio that I, I just want to zoom in on real quick. Um, one is we get confirmation that Londa has in fact joined the polycule at one point, Mm -hmm. um, because the music chose this point to repeat boner while we watch her facial expressions. I hardly know her. (laughs) Um, you know, the music that everybody was listening to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and the second one at this mm-hmm. point, uh, Nick Cage was uh, screaming about being <laughs> on a meat hook. <laughs> That's how you know she's in the polycule. <laughs> it's called um, pegging, Kira. 
<laughs> Look it up. <laughs> so the second scene that I wanted to point out um, was they pull over for a pit stop and um, Nick Cage adorns little Tommy with a trophy of Lil Tommy's attempted murder of Dr. Evil. He's placed Dr. Evil's missing eye in a lucky Muppet's foot. A lu- okay, yep, yep. The lucky Muppet's foot. I am um, trying as hard as I can to make this fit into the larger Unsound Theories verse. Mm. So, okay, lucky mu- Muppet's foot. <laughs> that, that's very fair. <laughs> um, which Muppet, though? I think it might have uh, been Flapjaw, I, the world's shittiest Muppet. <laughs> See, I I think it was actually uh, Sweetums. Oh, okay. It was one of Sweetums' toes. <laughs> mm. That makes much more sense. Delicious. Oh, sorry, I missed a third scene that I want to zoom in on, which is Jeff Greenhoy and Agent um and Doctor Evil have their own yeah. elevator scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in this one, the sexual tension is much more palpable. Oh yeah. Yes, for sure. Dr. Evil knows what's going on. Um, We get a snoot boop, and there's a non-zero chance that there were some handies going on that I just couldn't hear, Mm. because for some reason, this movie came without sound. Yeah, they chose not to make the movie with sound, which, you know, is always a weird... It's weird how often movies have been doing that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It feels like... There was that one... There was that one silent movie that they did a while ago called The Artist... With, like, John Goodman and a dog in it. And then everyone was like, what if we all made silent movies? Yeah. And we keep accidentally <laughs> picking them to do on this podcast, Yeah, too. it's it's weird. Yeah, I don't know how that keeps happening. Okay. So now we can go back to Rufio bogarting the pipe. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Why are they here? It's just on the way to Canada, I think. Yeah. These are like, okay. This like... is a stop on the road trip adventure. They're meeting some wacky mm-hmm. characters and showing off their okay. cool gun. It's like in Eurotrip, that guy that they meet on the train who keeps saying, Miscuzi, Miscuzi. <laughs> yeah. Same guy. Exactly. So, uh, um, did you happen to know what kind of gun Tommy was waving around in front of the kids to look cool? Nope. A gun, a, the, the kind that shoots bullets. Yeah. Fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, based on my limited knowledge of guns, which comes entirely from Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, <laughs> I assumed it was an M416, but I could look. I could. I could go back and look at it. it I don't particularly care to. Uh huh. Th- a lot of them were sci-fi guns. Like yeah. <laughs> I think more. Here's my. Here's my gun stance. More movies need to use the P90. <laughs> The isn't, favorite of Canadian working actors everywhere. Isn't that that exactly. like uh, like exercise program? No, that's P90X. Oh, the P90 is the gun that. Um, did you ever watch? This is a real deep cut anime, but there was the Sword Art Online spinoff oh, called God. Gun Gale Alternative about a trans girl who, like, not literally, but like effectively, is about a tall girl. Who got made fun of in real life for being tall. So she played a short girl who wore, like, all pink and used a P90 because it was a cute gun. Oh my god. In this <laughs> fucking PUBG-ass, like, MMO where if you die in the game, you die in real life. Wait, is... Hold on. Uh, so I watched the second season of Sword Art Online, regrettably. Um, they didn't die in real life in that one. 
<laughs> no. They, why are they dying they, in real life now? And why are they in Gungale? Because, <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> they needed to. They needed to do uh, another Sword Art Online where the stakes are actually important. Ah. Okay. Um, okay, here is the very adorable pink P90. <laughs> oh my god. She does, at, she does at multiple times refer to it as Pichon. Oh my god. <laughs> so does that mean it's a crossover with Ranma? <laughs> okay. I mean, you know, it might be. <laughs> But yeah, I know the um, P90 um, prior to PUBG from uh, Stargate SG-1 and Stargate Atlantis, yep. mm-hmm. where that was the only gun uh, that the United States Air Force used, question mark? I think they were the Air Force in... Emma, did you watch Stargate? Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was the Air Force. Emma was just very resigned and saying, no. <laughs> um... So yeah, let's 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 finish up this movie, please. Yeah, that's yes, a please. really okay. good idea. Okay, so uh, they get so... to they get to the nuclear mm-hmm. power plant and discover actually there wasn't a nuclear disaster because their Geiger counter doesn't show anything. Oh. I want to know what the fuck a goddamn nuclear power plant is doing in the middle of the mountains in Montana. Um, oh. I assume this is part of RFK Junior's energy plan. But like, Wait, but... nuclear plants need a lot of water. <laughs> In between, oh, that's true. In between when they drove into the radiation area and when they put together their Geiger counter, Tommy Carboloni got a nosebleed? Yeah, I think that was yeah. that was like, oh my god, radiation poisoning setting in. Like a like a, a but, scare, but then it actually wasn't. He just yeah, got a nosebleed because a fake sucks. out. <laughs> he picked his nose and was like, ah, it's the radiation, it. you guys. I swear. <laughs> Um, so they pop some Radex and power up a Geiger counter, which apparently shows nothing. They drive fine for a while, but then the engine starts smoking? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, also, we did skip over the scene where <laughs> Dr. Evil is in the stall right next to Tommy and rolls mm-hmm. him some TP. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and then there, there's to just drown like, him in the sink. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a gunfight and, and Nick Cage and what's her fuck just kind of leave without the kid. And then the kid <laughs> crawls under the floor and escapes and they pick him up after almost hitting him with their mm-hmm. car. And like at yep. no point in this can the federal agents aim? Mm-mm. No, no. No, because they all went to the Nick Cage. They all went to. Everyone went to the Nick Cage School of Gunplay, where you just lift your arm up in a wild motion and hope that a bullet hits someone. This is, uh, yeah. I mean, it's like a, it's like a fascist government. So they're stormtroopers. They can't shoot shit. <laughs> How did Doctor Evil fumble this one so bad? Oh, that's a great question. He just sort of let um, the kid here's, crawl here's away. The- Right? Yeah, so the the correct answer is that he wasn't trying his hardest Mm. because he was extremely into Nick Cage and really Mm. just wanted to get down with Nick Cage. But, like, these people were kind of in the way, but he knew it would ruin his chances if he killed them. True. So he had to figure out another way. Yeah. And that's why there was that long chase. And then, after the end of the long chase, we have the culmination of the story where they cross the border into Canada illegally. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. 
where in my notes I say, hello, bonjour, welcome to Canada, you're violating our sovereign territory, eh? <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that's a crime there, bud, you're gonna have to look out for those. <laughs> and then they get sniped by Davis from Corner Gas. But not... Not before Dr. Evil kills Nick Cage and and what's her name? That I the one that I Londa. Londa, yeah. He just sort of kills both of them and then lets the kid run away again. Um Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the Canadians uh find out that uh the lucky grimace foot or whatever it was. <laughs> The Lucky, the lucky Grimace yeah. foot has a USB in it. USB is one word for that. Sure, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, that is technically a USB. Like It's not. <laughs> that's the port that it plugs into. It's a flash drive. Well, it's a USB flash drive. Yeah, it, and you, you just it wave it over your vi- phone. and it. <laughs> well, yeah, because they have special RFK technology. Right. right. It's the RFK ID. <laughs> Uh, and it turns out that, surprise, whatever's on that thing sparks a revolution. Yeah, we don't really find out what's on that thing. Uh, no, because God forbid they actually show us what sparks the revolution. It's just Nick Cage talking to a screen and you're expected to take his word for it. Yeah. Right? And It's like, very... Yeah. You're already living in post-hell, hell United States. Mm-hmm. Why is this the thing that gets you to revolt? Great question. Great question. I think it's time to find out. (laughs) Yeah, probably. We have been going for, according to my time, an hour and 25 minutes. I'm so sorry. (laughs) No, this is okay. (laughs) The the two of us, when we're together, have it down to a science where we just breeze through because we kind of know each other's opinions with uh-huh. the third person it makes us examine the movie a little bit more <laughs> yeah okay instead of so. skipping over all the most important scenes like yes. where jeff greenhoy and dr evil are um getting real into it with their handies mm-hmm. okay so wait 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 the wait, humanity wait, bureau. wait wait hand job in an elevator is called an elevator elevator yeah. okay i'm i'm sampling that like a fine wine <laughs> Delicious. To aerate it. <laughs> <laughs> that got Taco's attention, apparently. Aw, little guy. Hello, listeners. It's Kat with this week's mid-roll announcements. I want to start off by saying a very special thank you to Lulav for joining us this week. If you want to hear more from Lulav, you can check out her now-complete podcast, Kosher Queers, by visiting kosherqueers.yay. On Kosher Queers, Lulav and her co-host Jazz do a Parsha-by-Parsha dissection of Torah through a queer and leftist lens. Then, on the second go-around, they do the same thing with the Haftarot. Kosher Queers is one of my all-time favorite short-run podcasts, and is absolutely worth listening to. Thank you again to Lulav for joining us this week. If you're anything like me, you've recently watched Nimona and got kind of obsessed with it. If that sounds like you, I have excellent news. Over on Itch, releasing today, July 21st, you can pick up a copy of my latest game, Hey Boss. In it, you'll be able to play out the delightful dynamic of reluctant villain and magical sidekick. All you need is a deck of cards and a love for whimsical villainy. Find this delightful two-player story game by visiting zafticat.dog. 
If you'd like to interact with Kira and me on social media, you can follow me on Tumblr at ZaftyCat. You can follow Kira on her Tumblr, Sapphire-Mess. If you'd like to support us, there are a few ways you can do that. First, you can tell someone about the show. We thrive on word of mouth, and our goofy brand of weird is the perfect thing to recommend to your friends, your polycule, your found family, your biological family, or a group of lost boys living in the mountains who give you a Geiger counter. You could also be our favorite people in the world and leave a review for the show on the podcatcher of your choice. We're fans of good pods for their really neat shareability features, but whatever you prefer works for us. If you do leave a review, let us know via tweet or Tumblr message and you'll get a shout out on the show. Thirdly, we'd be so grateful if you were to support us on Patreon. We make the show because we love it, not because of the money, but a little support from you goes a really long way for us. So please do consider that support. No integer dollar amount is too small. And Kira and I will be sitting down to watch, with sound, a delightfully awful movie, Surfer Teen Confronts Fear, for the Patreon coming up soon. So, um, you should get in for that, because Surfer Teen Confronts Fear is an all-time bad movie. That's all for the mid-roll. I'll let past me, Kira, and Lulav get back to, um, fighting a war against RFK alongside Davis from Corner Gas. Cue the VCR sound. Okay, so, The Humanity Bureau is a 2018 Canadian science fiction thriller directed by Rob W. King and written by Dave Schultz. The film stars Nicolas Cage, Sarah Lind, Hugh Dillon, and Jacob Davies. The film was released on April 6, 2018 by Mind's Eye Entertainment. In the future, war climate and political agendas have robbed America of its resources. An agency called the Humanity Bureau ensures citizens are efficient. Inefficient citizens are deported to a city called New Eden. Noah Cross is an agent of the Humanity Bureau who manages the deportation of Chester Hills, a former governor of Colorado who now lives in misery. When asked why he wishes to stay in squalor rather than be relocated to New Eden, he says he knows the truth. He fires a gun at Cross and the hotel manager. Cross kills him in self-defense. What a way to undersell that stupid gunplay <laughs> moment. So you weren't, uh, you hit the mark when you talked about that being like ads for concentration camps. It's Yeah. I thought that New Eden was where people got to go if they were good. That's what it's sold as. This is where they... Yeah. Huh. Or if they need, it's it's sold as a measure of like social security. If you can't provide for yourself, the government can help you in New Eden. I and see. it's just it's just the thing that Canadian the Canadian government does, which is uh God. medically assisted dying if you know, cuz that's a thing we do here. Um, Lovely. It fucking sucks. Um so Cross evaluates a single mother, Rachel Weller, and her son, Lucas. Though apparently struggling, they wish to stay rather than go to New Eden. With the help of his friend, Agent Porter, he delays sending his report so the boy can perform at a music recital the following day. Cross fondly remembers fishing in Canada as a boy and wants Lucas to have a positive memory of his recital. This act of minor insubordination upsets the Bureau and catches the attention of Cross's supervisor, Adam, who places him under investigation. Rachel's resistance to relocation and the truth purported by Chester motivate Cross to investigate New Eden. A defense contractor we, working for the Bureau gives Cross a memory card. Can we pause for a second? 
Yes. This woman's name is Rachel Cross. Londa Carboloni. Rachel Weller. Or Rachel Weller. Okay. Because um, Dr. Evil found a card, like a, a ration card for Amanda Douglas in the Interesting. house. Interesting. And There's gotta said, be something funky going on there then. I said that it looks like Londa had a fake ration card as a joke because I was saying that her name was Londa Carboloni, but... You might have been right. Yeah. Wild. Okay. <laughs> um, the next day, Cross attends Lucas's recital and spends the night with them. When he wakes up the next morning, he sees the Bureau coming and rushes inside to get Rachel and Lucas. Rachel is being held hostage by Adam. Lucas shoots Adam in the eye with a BB gun and they escape. They drive to a gas station. Cross isn't able to purchase gas because his card has been canceled. Cross demands gas at gunpoint. When asked by the owner if Cross is a family man, he says he's trying to be. The owner assists in their flight by crashing his truck into the Bureau vehicles, pursuing Cross. Back at the Bureau, Adam is admonished for failing to stop Cross. The Bureau's director opens a package of what looks like dust in front of him and shows Adam a child's tooth, warning him that if he fails again, he will end up in New Eden, revealed to be an extermination camp where unproductive citizens are incinerated. Oh. Cross has learned the truth and seeks to save Lucas and Rachel. During their flight, Cross trades his bureau vehicle for an unmarked station wagon and learns of a man who may weigh a known, who may know a way north. Go north. When they find the man. Yeah, <laughs> they realize the way north to Canada is highly irradiated, and that no one who goes ever returns. When he insists, the man gives Cross a Geiger counter to measure radiation and iodine tablets, which provide some protection against radiation absorption. Cross gives Lucas a rabbit's foot for good luck during the trip. Along the road, they spot a drone searching for Cross. After becoming tired and frustrated waiting for it to pass, Cross and Rachel get into an argument where Cross reveals he knows the real Rachel Weller and this woman is not her. What? Years ago on a Bureau investigation, Cross and the real Rachel conceived a child who is Lucas. What? When the f- yep. What? <laughs> yup. When the famine struck, Rachel tried to sell Lucas. Amanda, her neighbor, got into an argument over this, and in the resulting fight, Rachel dies. Amanda then assumed Rachel's identity and raised Lucas as her own. Jesus Christ. The three continue to evade the Bureau and eventually make it to a nuclear power plant, which the man warned was highly irradiated. Their Geiger counter reveals that there's not any radiation. It was a scare tactic to try to keep people from fleeing north. Finally, at the border, the Bureau catches up with Cross, and Adam shoots and kills Rachel, demanding the memory card. Cross agrees and gives Adam the card as long as Lucas can go. Lucas runs away, and Cross gives Adam the card, which Adam scans to find is empty. Adam executes Cross, and Lucas comes running back. At this moment, Canadian troopers, played by Lorne Cardinal, shoot the Bureau members and take in Lucas, leaving only Agent Porter to escape. So that was the actual government of Canada? Yes. Who had snipers at the border. <laughs> yes. Rad. That's what I'm saying. God. Everywhere else, like, everywhere else is normal. America just chooses to be like this. <laughs> yeah, no, that They that find tracks. that the real memory card was in the rabbit's foot and disseminate the footage revealing New Eden as a death camp, sparking revolution against the Bureau, plunging the whole country into civil war. The whole personnel and the director of the Humanity Bureau can only watch helplessly as they lose control over the population and have to fight for their lives from then on. Porter is ambushed by an armed rebel on the road and shot dead. 
Lucas, I believe the armed rebel on the road was the person who they got the station wagon from. If yeah, I, Betsy Jorbelson. Yeah. Be- Bethany Jorbelson. <laughs> Lucas finally gets to visit the Lake Cross used to fish in. End of movie. Uh, Would you like to know the uh, critical response? Yes. I, because the film holds sure. a 25% based on eight reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. All right. Yeah. Honestly, this sounds like it would have been much better with sound. <laughs> um, but also not good. <laughs> yeah, nope. Uh, the... Huh. <clears throat> yeah. So... Wait, so... Tommy Carboloni actually did... Go to the lake? That was him. Yeah, TBCB gets to the lake. That's like the end of the movie. Yeah. I thought that was like a moment of death sort of flashback because we we had like a close up on uh Nick Cage's shot up head, and then it like panned over to the the postcard and then continued panning, and I thought it was like, ah, at the moment you die, your life flashes before your eyes. And so the flashbacks he's been having are happening. And it's young Master Coppola, or um. So there's a very, Nick very, Cage. very, very strong chance that Wikipedia is just wrong. No, okay. it's definitely as it's, we found out from the most recent episode. Sometimes these are written fairly amateurishly. It's, it's definitely <laughs> the kid at the lake. Okay. Okay. For sure. For sure. For sure. Um, that is also the point at which um, how do I live? Uh, bunny back in the box version. Um, had Michael Guy Bowman exhort Casey the Salamander to bring us there, take it back. Um, which really fits with the whole like flashback mm-hmm. theory. Yeah. Um. <laughs> okay, Kira, can you get us the reviews so I we can, can get out of here? I can. <clears throat> Daniel Steele gives it one star and titles the review "Sad." Correct. it reads it seems like there is a new genre of movies emerging called where actors go to die the story (laughs) progression (laughs) the story progression is so full of holes this was just hard to watch was this a film student project i don't want to be mean if it was good job students you're on the right track just need to need to iron out a few wrinkles but don't give up Wow, that's brutal. (laughs) Uh, That's so brutal. Jared gives it one star and titles the review, Worst Movie Ever, Totally Unrealistic Story Plot, and Very Cheesy Acting. And the review reads, this is some interesting information for us, I can't believe how terrible this movie was. Why was the memory card a car audio fuse? Really? Can't afford more than one dollar for something more realistic? Say a thumb drive? (laughs) Car audio fuse. I, you know, you get a car freak in your reviews (laughs) saying something about cars, and yeah, you just kind of assume they're right. I mean, what what reason would this car person have to lie to us about it being an audio fuse? None. (laughs) Um, JL gives it one star and titles the review: "What will feel like ten hours of your life?" Yeah. This uh-huh. this felt like 35 years of my life. <laughs> I am writing this review under my wife's name as I am too embarrassed to admit I watched this heap of steaming poo. <laughs> if I was caught... 
are going to think she watched this movie. (laughs) (laughs) If I was caught in a burning building and the key to the exit was in a VHS case of this movie, I would begin basting myself with honey marinade because I wouldn't want to get near this god-awful movie. (laughs) (laughs) What evocative imagery. Yeah. Um, M. Smith, presumably Matt, uh, says, <laughs> gives it three stars and titles the review, I liked it. And the review reads, kept me e. Yeah. Me too, buddy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I, I did take, I did take my e while I was Same. watching this movie, Same. so. Oh, this actually distracted me from changing my patches. I only did that today. But, <laughs> so you literally kept your e. <laughs> was just out. Um, okay. What what other reviews um, do we I have? have? I don't want to labor these. three more plus one optional. Uh, yep. It is. Okay. <clears throat> Aaron Spelling gives it three stars and titles the review, which seems like a plot hole. <laughs> and the review reads, The movie is dark and depressing, and there were El Caminos and Pontiac station wagons for some reason. I didn't understand. But there was the invention of GPS and computers to tell you how much gas is in the tank, and obviously this is science fiction. Does science fiction mean dark, dreary, and depressing? Also, it seems if you have a family, you can take care of your own family, so why would they be sent to Eden? Which seems like a plot hole. The movie is about fishing or not fishing, lack of water and lies, and escaping from the government and old cars and guns. That's a... yeah, you know? There's a lot of nitpicks for this movie, but particularly... What about them was unproductive? Like, they had food? Yeah. <laughs> they were part of a school play? They had... <laughs> yeah. They seemed to just be living normal lot. Maybe they were scheduled for demolition because of RFK wanting to build a new missile silo or Maybe, something. Maybe, yeah. Also, like, the United States doesn't need any excuses to spin up a genocide apparatus. Yeah. That's true. That's true. That... <laughs> That's what the state is for? That is, yeah. Okay, um, next review. Johnny gives it four stars. And titles the review, very entertaining. And Sally gives it five. (laughs) How many stars did they give between the two of them? Very entertaining. Nine. That's as many as nine ones. And that's terrible. It sounds like a math problem. It does. I'm so sorry. Johnny gives it four stars. (laughs) The review is titled, Very Entertaining, In-Your-Face Prophetic Truths. And it reads, spoiler Mm -hmm. alert, don't read this if you haven't watched the movie yet. (laughs) Entertaining yet prophetic movie, the heroes, quote unquote, make their way through apocalyptic America to eventually cross their way into Canada. So ironic that this northern country used to stand as a safe haven for the evildoers, yet nowadays there's a re-elected dictator in charge known as the true doe. That is the word the, the word true, and the word doe as in bread. Still running the country. (laughs) If only I could tell the actors to turn back that it's really not safe in that socialist country where you can't even own a gun. Quite amazing how things have reversed now that what is happening <laughs> okay so some somebody listened to pierre polyphra and thought he was saying true things but that's not how the pc party works <laughs> <laughs> like uh, 
this is this some like for for an American with some real deep cut knowledge of the Canadian alt right talking points. <laughs> Wonderful. Huh. Um, You're probably gonna complain about the carbon tax next. Probably. Wait, who are the evildoers? Uh, <laughs> um, uh, JT and the Liberal government. Uh-huh. And like I will be re- just to be completely upfront, I have no love for Trudeau. I have no love for the Liberal Party. Right. Um it's just that the conservatives criticize so have you ever seen those Tumblr posts where it's like when someone misinterprets your like when someone hates your most hated character but for the wrong reasons. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> That's 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 what that's what's going on here yeah. because like there's a lot of reasons to hate the Trudeau government, but the reasons that the conservatives list are very very wrong. <laughs> it's like hating Benedict Cumberbatch because his voice just makes it too sexy for you to listen to anything. It's it's like hating Benedict. Yeah, the, when the real reason you're supposed to hate Benedict Cumberbatch is because every time you plug in your phone and you miss slightly, you have flashbacks <laughs> to that one scene from season one of Sherlock. It, it, anyone else have that, or is it just me? Uh huh. That was going to be a sex metaphor. Oh, did no. did you not hear me scream laughing? I did. I did. Okay. I just. <laughs> I'm also opening it up to the audience, um, audience participation. If any of you have flashbacks to that horrible, horrible moment where Sherlock <laughs> randomly concludes that a man is an alcoholic because there's scratches on his phone. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yep, yep. You know, a phone. That thing that famously never gets scratched. Matthew S. gives this four stars and titles the review, Surprisingly Good Bleak Post-App Thriller. And it reads, <clears throat> I enjoyed this film. It's bleak. I think post-app is called the, is called the main course. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed this film. It's bleak and post-apocalyptic, but brings up good ideas about being valuable slash useful in society versus not. It also explores ideas of epistemology and how a certain part of the world is understood to be uninhabited and radioactive, but people have to take it on faith rather than experience. Nick Cage does a good job. The redheaded stepchild is annoying. Sarah Lind is stunningly <laughs> beautiful. I'd watch her in anything, even if it was just her taking a big meat dump. <laughs> um. Um. Hey, okay, that's fucking weird, <laughs> but did you know that Sarah Lind is from Regina? <laughs> Bon Bonus review, then we're done. Zombieland okay. Man gives it five stars and titles the review Mom and Dad. And the review <laughs> reads Mom and Dad. Fuck, dude. Mom and dad? Mom and dad. Mom and dad. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. This movie was awful. Spare- this- this- I- I- I really feel like this movie was, like, tailor-made for the Bob G's of the it world. It really was. Yeah. They- they also, like, gave away the secret premise in the opening crawl. Yep. The opening- it's- 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 it's hackish. Like I said, I could write a better movie. I it it's one of it, hmm. oh my god wait no oh okay. my god oh my god oh my god uh huh what if we write a movie that actually does have no sound <laughs> um I they've done experimental movies like that like that one that stars Jim from the Office no, it's but, a horror movie where you can't make any that noise movie has sound 
Yeah, it had sound, it just didn't have dialogue. Which makes it a terrible movie for us to watch on Unsound Theories. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. What if, okay, so what if we made a movie with dialogue and then we just didn't record any of the sound? Exactly, yeah. Oh, and then, uh, if you really wanted the audience to know what the people were saying, you could flash, uh, like, cards that had the dialogue on them in between. That's too much work. No, they have to figure it out. And and you might have, like, a player piano going uh, in the theater where it's screening <laughs> so that people have something to listen to. No, uh, that said, I do think we should cast Sarah Lind in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, for that one guy who wants to watch her take a shit. <laughs> Specifically a meat shit. A meat shit. <laughs> um, okay, um... I, do you have anything else you want to say about this movie before we leave? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, Love, uh, do you have anything you would like to plug before we leave? Hi. Um, I used to be on the podcast Kosher Queers, uh, which we started a little bit before the pandemic, and then everything happened. Um, but it is <laughs> a podcast in which... Um, my co-host and I uh, read through the Parsha cycle, which is uh, weekly Torah portions, um, and talk about it from a gay and leftist perspective. Um, so if, if you really want to listen to something from four years ago, do that. You know, okay, here's the thing, though. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I actually deeply loved Kosher Queers. Mm-hmm. It was appointment listening for me, like, literally every week. Um, oh, it's a very sweet. good podcast. It's Thank just, you. you know, you only have, what, two two years worth of <laughs> Parsha and Haftarah. But, like, you know, you get through it. Uh-huh. Um, it's, it, it is it's also good. weird. It's great. It is weird to listen back to. Oh, God, um, yeah. Because, one, my co-host and I dated for three years and then broke up. Mm-hmm. Um and two, they are on T now, so listening oh. to their old voice is like, oh my god, <laughs> what? Yeah, wild. That's gotta be wild. Um, I I did just like mentally backwrite all of the audio so that Jazz is talking in their current voice. I I will have to just <laughs> do that mentally for myself too. Right. So. There are two other things that I want to plug. Okay. Um, one of which is, if you want to follow me on Tumblr, I'm Central Kvetch Monolith there. Um, and the second one is, Sarah Lind is on Cameo, and you can book a personal video for $60. I doubt she's going to take meat shit for $60. <laughs> no, no. Oh. oh, no, not that one. That's... Mm, that, that. <laughs> that would be a hell of a... That's that's not the video that I was thinking of. <laughs> thanks for yeah, that's that's gotta be the thanks for listening moment. <laughs> thanks for listening. We sure didn't. Y- yeah. Bye. Casey, take us there. Bring it back. Alright, come on now. Unsound Theories is a production of So Says Media. You can follow us on Twitter at Unsound Theories or follow Kat and Kira at Zafti Kat, Z-A-F-T-I-K-A-T, 
and at sapphire underscore mess, respectively. The best way to support the work we do is to tell a friend and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods. If you'd like to support our work monetarily to help us keep the lights on, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash sosismedia. There you'll gain access to behind-the-scenes content, Patreon-exclusive episodes, and so much more. The music used in this episode is Dance on All the Cell Phones by Chris Postel. You can find this and Chris's other work at soundslikeanearful.com. Until next time, stay wizard. We, we should make a new website called time.jizz. I don't think jizz is a top-level domain. Oh. Well, then we need to lobby to make it one. I mean, if they're willing to make .zip into a top-level domain, I feel like they're willing to do anything, and we probably could get... Wait, no, I've got it. It's time.is, like, spelled out, dot .gay. Or t- time.jizz.gay. Could do that. Perfect. I'm still um, upset that the that um the the porn domain is dot xxx instead of dot com